UX Podcast Episode 170. This is UX Podcast. I'm James Roy Lawson. And I'm Pad Axbom. Balancing business, technology and people every other Friday from Stockholm, Sweden. We've listeners in 172 countries around the world from Germany to Peru. And today we are bringing you our interview with Dan Brown, uh, an information architect and principal at the user experience consultancy 8Shapes. Dan has written uh, two books that deal with communications and collaboration on design teams. And in his most recent book, Practical Design Discovery, he deals with the very first phase of a project in which the product team seeks to understand the design problem. We met Dan at EuroIA17, where he held a workshop called Crafting the Discovery Face. Yeah, and I actually, I sat through his, um, his, his workshop. It was really quite good. Now, when we met him now, I tried to be funny and said, <laughs> um, so where do we start? As my introduction line to Dan. And um, that, was, that was me joking about Discovery Face, thinking, well, where do we start? I mean, it's kind of, I thought it was funny. It's funny, but not when you have to explain the joke. <laughs> no, I know. Can I say, we must have been tired. <laughs> yes, we were. <laughs> Where should we start? I don't know. We should talk about why discovery is important in this day and age. Mm-hmm. And I get a lot of people coming to me in my workshops almost tired of the relentless pace of design these days. Emerging movements in design have done a lot to raise the profile of design, uh, of the role of a user experience designer. But I worry that we're also doing ourselves a disservice by not taking the time to think deeply about the problems that we have. We think at the surface level, you know, we're really good at designing screens, churning them out, working with developers to get those things built. But I worry that we're starting to lose our um, ability to dig below that surface and really understand the things that are going on, in a sense, behind the scenes of an experience. I think the the, the word we start thing is that's getting worse with the with the way the speed at which we're forced to work and the expectation that we're going to mm. start tomorrow. Right. Um, your sprint minus one. Right. You design sprint. Right. Um, or we only need a week to get started mm-hmm. and or a kickoff meeting to get started and yeah i mean i think those things are important and good and i don't want to uh say that we've got to slow design down entirely i do not think that the way we did things in the old days was good in so far as we spent a lot of time trying to tell people that doing the research was worth it or doing discovery was worth it and i don't want to go back to that time where we would sort of go into our rooms lock ourselves away, do the research or what have you, and then emerge weeks or months later. You know, this move towards greater collaboration, more interdisciplinary design, all of that stuff is really, really welcome. But the more we work on hard design problems, the more we need to take the time to think deeply about those problems. Mm. So. And, and, and leave ourselves, I mean, you said um, in the workshop we're in, the create gaps. Yeah. So we've we've got time to to think and reflect right. when we're doing the right. discovery. So I'm thinking instantly about agile and how 
sometimes we struggle so hard to fit design into the agile process. So is that sort of the, the solution to this, that we stop trying to fit it in and, and give it more time? I'll be honest. I don't feel like I know enough about how agile works mm -hmm. to say one way or the other. But what I do think is that designers should know what they need and understand that agile serves a purpose or whatever, you know, bastardized product development methodology they use internally that serves a purpose. But is it their purpose? They need to play a role in that, but there are other responsibilities that they have to the product or to their team or to mm -hmm. their organization. And my hope is that designers can be assertive about here's what I need in order to provide the best possible work to you. And sometimes, sometimes that's, um, I want to sit next to a developer so I can draw and yeah. pass things. And sometimes it's, I need to sit over here for a little bit and just sit and think deeply about this problem. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's, I need to get out of the building and talk to users. And we, we've spent a lot of time trying to cultivate some of those things that I worry that we're losing other ones of those things. So mm -hmm. I, I feel like a lot of the clients that I talk to are very willing for me to now go out and talk to people. They don't say, they don't have to tell me to sacrifice research, which is a great change from when I first started in this business, but it's all fast, fast, fast mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. well, looking back, I mean, it was very deliverables based yeah. in the beginning. I mean, yeah. those, those very extravagant um, design presentations that we delivered to you and then handed over and then you expected just implement. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the creative process is, is very well, backwards and forwards and, and kind of, a, you know, you go around and back and revisit things and think things through again. I mean, how do you, how do you go about um, delivering, but through that chaos of the way you, you need to think and need to work? Yeah. It, it's interesting. I, I, obviously love documentation. And I think what I really love is sort of the, the byproducts of the design process, you know, the sort of flotsam and jetsam that comes up on the shore as part of the ocean of creativity, right? And we draw pictures, we do sketches on whiteboards, all kinds of things to uh, trigger and catalyze and maintain the creativity that we have. And those artifacts are fantastic. And so I think we get maybe a little emotionally attached to them and we want to draw them in. We want to share, share them with people. Um, I try and empower designers to think what's the purpose of this artifact that you're creating? Is it to help your brain work through a problem or is it to legitimately try and get one of your stakeholders on board with, with the process? The, at the end of the day, for better or for worse, regardless of whether we do it fast or slow, our deliverable is screens or whatever the equivalent mm -hmm. is. And something my business partner said to me a little while ago is the best way to help people understand an information architecture is to show them how it works. So even though I like operating in a level of abstraction, at the end of the day, in order to get buy-in from folks, I can't show them a bubble chart. I can't show them a spreadsheet even. I need to show them navigation. And I got to be okay with that, right? Because that's not moving fast necessarily. That's uh, facilitating all my stakeholders in a way that I know relates to them. So there's this trouble with, you, you think, everybody's saying we're moving fast. I'm hearing this so much as well. And that attempt to move fast, we of course, we stray in the wrong directions. 
because that's what happens when you move too fast. So in essence, you really don't have to slow down when you think of what you're delivering. You actually need, need more time to think and you'll work exactly the same pace but you won't make the same mistakes. You won't stray as much. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, you could argue that we need to have, we need to stray in order to know where we shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we need to we need to kind of go off the beaten path to understand. Actually, that's too far in one in one direction. So. And I'm hearing I'm from a lot of the speakers actually now at EuroIA. I'm hearing that exactly this. You need to spend time thinking. You need to spend time going outside. And intentionally not thinking about the problem, intentionally just being, because that is what is going to help you get your problem solved, like being in tune with yourself and your experiences more, not thinking about the specific design problem. Which mm. leads into mm. the, the question of mm. when have we thought enough? So, so when, when does this process oh, yeah. come yeah. to an end? It's a, it's a good point. Mm. I mean, the converse mm. is also true, mm. right? We're moving too mm. fast, but mm. there's also moving too slow mm. internally at my, t- my team, we call that churning, right? You just sort of, or mm. uh, some people call it uh, analysis paralysis, right? You just sort of like, um, so well, excitement, me, you can get lost in the excitement. Yeah, oh my gosh. When you kind of, yeah. cause we're all nerds really. Yes. Mm. Right. So, um, I mean, one the, the blessing and the curse of, for any consultant is, um, your curiosity, right? If you can be good at getting excited about a problem, no matter what it is, whether it's you know for the biggest brand in the world mm. or the tiniest little nonprofit, if you can get excited about their work, that's great. But it's also a curse too because it means you get dragged down into this. I just want to keep asking people questions. Um, I'm fortunate in that I'm given a budget and I know what I need to deliver at the end of that budget. So I know if I'm spending too much time on the uh, analysis paralysis part, then I'm going to be in trouble. I'm not going to be able to live up to my my contract. Mm-hmm. This is one of the reasons why I characterize discovery as not open-ended, right? It's sort of it's always in the context of a product. You're trying to do discovery about a specific thing that you have a vague notion there's a problem in the world. Let's try and understand that problem a little better and imagine start to imagine what that solution looks like. Um, I think by doing it in by constraining yourself in those ways, you can avoid the opposite problem, the one that you're talking about, and that's moving too slowly, mm-hmm. right? Just sort of getting stuck. If we're, um, if we're also saying that the, the, the produce from um, a discovery phase is, is not necessarily the, the, the artifacts of old. Right. Um, what, is the, what is the produce? I mean, we're saying now, that, yeah, the discovery phase can be used as a vehicle to help kind of onboarding stakeholders or, or to work out what's kind of too far to extremes. Mm. But normally phases have a kind of a thing. Yeah, what I, I think uh, at a pragmatic level, what I want to get out of the discovery phase is knowing what I need to do in detailed design. So that could be a set of screens that kind of paint a picture at a high level of what the experience could be, as well as a plan for here's what the next steps are, mm. right? At the bare mm. minimum, I feel like that's what discovery is. Um, I talk in the, in the workshops about having things like a vision spelled out or having principles spelled out. And these are all just variations on a theme as to where we're going and what are we doing next. Um, if you cut below the surface though, there, I feel like the, the real deliverable, so to speak, is uh, what I call the shared pool of knowledge, right? The fact that we mm. 
all participated in this process together and that the three of us, for example, sat in those interviews or reviewed those notes or uh, brainstormed together. And we've built up this kind of team product culture that we can draw from so that as we continue on down this process, we can draw from that shared experience, that shared pool of knowledge. What did the keynote speaker call it yesterday? She said she called it like the communal accumulation of understanding or something. Oh, she had a fantastic yeah. phrase yeah. for it. Oh. And it was, it was so elegant. And I was like, that's what I should call it. <laughs> Look that um, up again. Yeah, so you have that kind of, that, that common vocabulary, yeah, a shared language. Exactly. So yeah, so when we talk deliverables, you know, I want a vision and a plan. Mm. But at the end of the day, the real deliverable, so to speak, air quotes, is this shared, vocab- this shared vocabulary of, yeah. of the work that we did together. I mean, it's, I think you you and I are similar in the sense that I love, I mean, as soon as I can sketch something, as soon as I've seen an idea, I want to get down on, on the paper, which is mm. um, many a times you've been told, don't do it too soon. You've got to kind of you know, do do your research mm. or do it enough so you can actually I, not jump to conclusions. You get stuck, you get stuck on your initial designs. I mean, I, I, I remember people saying, you know, don't, don't do anything until you've got done research. And mm. it's like, why should I, why should I hold this back? Mm. Right. That is a, tool for understanding, a mm. tool for making sense of the mm. things that you've uh, been processing or the, mm. the, the things that you've been accumulating over time. Mm. Go for it, right? Draw pictures. Just don't get too precious about what you draw. Yeah, because mm. you, I mean, you want to avoid the situation where you're telling people the first thing you draw is wrong. Right. Because it's not, mm. that's not true. Right. And everything, you've, everything you've sketched will have some intrinsic value. There'll be, right. there'll be something that you've picked up on that has materialized itself mm. through that, that little sketch or, or whatever thing you've produced. Um, and that, that, that will have some value probably later, or at least uh, you'll churn it in your head and it'll come out maybe as something else. Visualizing is how you explain things to yourself. Right. So, I mean, yes, you need to do that. But aren't we also saying that, I mean, discovery is something you revisit throughout the project, so it's not ever done as, uh, in a sense. So it's really, there's not a deliverable from it because you're doing it all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's a great point mm-hmm. that um, uh, one of the punchlines to to the book is to sort of help people understand that discovery isn't just a phase. It can be a phase, but mm-hmm. uh, what it really is is an attitude, right? It's sort of this this um, acknowledgement mm. that sometimes I don't know enough to make good decisions about the product. Um, and in reality, the way creativity or innovation works is I go back and forth between knowing and not knowing, right? Or confidence and no confidence, or just having the tools to do something or not having those tools. And when I acknowledge I need to know more, that's when I go into this discovery phase, this discovery mindset to sort of tap into my curiosity and my skepticism to surface more information, more um, raw materials, so to speak, yeah. for me to put together uh, a, a good a good solution. The, the truth, the sad truth is that we work in environments that don't permit us that flexibility of in and out. I do think it's important for people to understand how things could work so that they, when they make those compromises to work in an environment that's far more structured, that says you have six weeks to do discovery, that they understand what that sacrifice is Mm -hmm. so they can make uh, appropriate uh, adjustments to their approach based on that. Hmm. You mentioned the skepticism and the the curiosity. Did you have a 
Wasn't there a third? Humility is the Humility. third mindset. Yeah. 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 I mostly pick on things that I feel like I personally have trouble with, so mm. I can really strive to fix those things in myself. Mm. And humility is definitely top of that list. Mm. So one of the things I like to do or try to do is give designers tools for reflecting on their own performance and their own work. Um, we were sort of talking about this at the beginning. I think a lot of younger designers are coming into the field having a good handle on tools, but not having the depth of experience that people like us have mm -hmm. where they can say they know, they can exercise judgment, how to use the tools, how to talk to their stakeholders, things like that. Um, I think a lot of the schools these days try and give them that opportunity, but it really only comes with time. And what I never had at the beginning of my career was any sort of mentor who could help me think about why did this yeah. meeting go poorly mm -hmm. or how would you have run this project differently? Things like that. Um, so tools like a mindset, tools like curiosity, skepticism, and mm -hmm. humility mm -hmm. allow me to say, where did this behavior come from? When I was talking to the stakeholder and I got really defensive, why did that happen? Where did that come from? And how can I make it, how can I do it differently next time? Those tools, I think, are really crucial. Mm, yeah, do it different next time and understand why it happened that time. Right. I mean, it still happens to me today. I remember, I guess it was last year, I was having a conversation with my teammates. Uh, we do, like, these internal reviews with uh, the Eight Shapes team, and I was sharing some work, and my partner started critiquing some of my work. And I got, I just mm. felt the defensiveness come up. And it doesn't happen with everything, but with certain things. And... I really had to control my behavior because mm. uh, Nathan wasn't doing anything wrong. He was doing exactly what we were supposed to be doing, which was giving each other feedback. So I, I re it really sort of forced me to just pause and reflect and say, why in this particular instance did I feel so defensive? Um, and it was good. It was useful for me to kind of zero in on exactly what it is that gets me, gets me going. Did you manage to find do you, do you want to go that step further and find out what it was? Or do I did, <laughs> but um, I'm uh, not remembering. You don't have to share it. It's okay. <laughs> I was just wondering that, that. No, I feel like this is a safe space. This is just, it's <laughs> yeah. just between us here, right? I mean, oh, of course. That's it. Yeah. It's just yeah. between us. Um, but no, I the self Because the self-reflection self is one part of it, yeah. but then being able to actually... Kind of take it, it Well, take yeah. it that next step. And, okay, I'm aware that I've, I've reacted like this, right. um, which is an excellent point to come to yeah but then we to take that second mm. step and go okay now we'll we'll take that we'll put it there and we'll, we'll analyze that later mm. right rationally and be able to come to some kind of action plan i guess or conclusion about mm. why it happened and what we could do next time yeah it's that thing where the you you designed it or you thought of it and it becomes your darling and it's so hard to receive criticism from it something i struggle with a lot uh but something i think about a lot as well is is uh, the ethical part of even starting out in the discovery phase is how I must challenge myself to look into and delve into uh, things that I'm not aware of myself that I need to accept that there are people getting hurt potentially by the design we are doing right and I need to seek those uh, opportunities to find out what those could be yeah. uh, which is something I, I think a lot of people actually don't struggle to do because they, it's sort of it's tough yep. because you realize I could be wrong in so many ways and you need to seek out the situations where you are proved wrong. Yeah. There's, there's no greater test of humility, mm. I yeah. think, than um, sitting where I get to sit and inviting 
uh, regular user, you know, users to come in and use a product. And you learn a lot about people. You know, if you can run those interviews right, they will tell you lots of stuff mm -hmm. about themselves and the challenges that they deal with. I got to work on a consumer product a couple of years ago that was geared towards parents and uh, parents who might give their iPad or iPhone to their kid to entertain them, right? So there's a, in this case, there was an app that let kids, you know, elementary school age kids read books or watch educational videos, you know, things that are good for them. But what this company realized is that there's a, a gap between what the kid gets to experience on the phone and then what the parent can talk to the kid about. And um, we uh, designed, so I was designing the thing for the parents. So this, this thing, this product, would let parents see what the kids watched or read on the app uh, and then give them some questions to engage the kid. What did you read about? Tell me about it. Um, and it was, it was very humbling because as a parent, we also homeschool our children. So I'm very mm -hmm. sort of in touch with the educational side of what they do, mm -hmm. you know, and that made me arrogant, honestly, mm -hmm. right? I felt like I could design this in my sleep, but I couldn't because I'm in a weird, different, special place and I didn't acknowledge the weird, different specialness of other people. So we had all sorts come into the, I was interviewing people at a coffee shop, which I hadn't done in years and it was really nice change and it made for a very relaxing environment and they came in and just told me their stories about how they interact with their kids or their grandkids um, and it really affected me in terms of what I wanted the app to do, what I felt like the app was responsible uh, for, for doing. So. But it wasn't, disaster didn't strike. You, you didn't get revelation, revelations <laughs> yeah, there I mean, that the, said throughout yeah, I mean, the entire thing. And the, it's, yeah, yeah, I mean, the good news is, you know, it's not like we created a community platform that could be adopted by fascists. Or, you know, it wasn't like that sort of, <laughs> it, it was just, it. but it was, there was a, just enough, unfortunately, I don't really ever, have to work on those kinds of things but there was there was just enough of humility there for me to understand okay i need to mm. i need to open my mind yeah. a lot more than i have yeah i think the humility aspect is is um of the, again all three of those things skepticism humility and curiosity i think this if there's three you know, mindsets that we can mm. we can try to live by um, then i think you will be a lot more ethical and a lot more good with your not only your discovery phase but your design work generally yeah I make no guarantees, but it's a step <laughs> in the right direction. Disclaimer. So, yeah. The discussion is important. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Dan. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. That was really quite a philosophical chat in, in many ways. Um, but uh, what one thing that Dan talks about in the workshop and we talked to him in the interview um, was the double diamond. Or rather, he alluded to the double diamond. Um, but in our interview now... He actually talked more about, um, I think, in and out up, um, and uh, diverging and converging. Um, during the actual workshop, Dan revealed that he doesn't, he doesn't actually, he's not a big fan of the double diamond um, uh, framework. For those of you that don't know the double diamond. I was just going to say how, I mean, do our listeners know what the double diamond is? Well, do you, not all of them. Do you know what it is? Well, sort of. I see it on slides all the time on conferences because I mean, I, I, I never use it myself. No. But it's, it's a, there's one, the first diamond <laughs> of the two in the double diamond. It's not a test. It's okay. Are, 
are the discover and define phases. Uh, and the second part is the develop and deliver phases. So it's sort of like this is the work process for design. Yeah, and the idea is that you'd you'd kind of open up during the first diamond and you'd kind of consider all the ideas and possibilities that you might want to... to that might be correct for your situation. Um, and then towards the end of that part of the process, you'd, you'd decide on the thing that you're then going to take further to development. And then the second diamond is where you'd get into the, the, the agile side of things and you'd, you'd have sprints and you'd develop stuff and you'd produce output. Um, now, um, Dan's criticism of the double diamond uh, was that it's, um, it's, it's very linear. Whereas the discovery phase... Um, is ca- it's almost like it's waterfall. It's a waterfall. <laughs> well, it's a it's a, it's a two <laughs> two level waterfall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whereas whereas the discovery phase um, is very chaotic. Um, so the analogy there um, that Dan gave during the workshop was um, you rather than kind of opening and closing, you'd you'd maybe turn you know turn the dial up and turn the dial down because at some points during discovery you might need to max it out to to eleven, but at other points you might need to turn it right the way down to to one. In, in various aspects. Um, exactly. I mean, and you're, you're continuously discovering, uh, is what we said in, when we were talking to them now as well. Mm. It doesn't end at any point. But at the same time, you do at some point need to produce a uh, code and produce uh, output that the users will actually use. Um, at which time you're also discovering because you're evaluating and showing the Yes. Stuff, I mean. <laughs> yes. And you're also thinking kind of maybe further ahead. And No, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's very chaotic and it's very, very circular. Yeah. And um, I, I said, very philosophical, this chat. Um, but there's a lot of aspects to what Dan was talking about that, you know, really big challenges, I think, for us as, as, as um, designers or UXers or whatever you want to call us. Um, things that we really do ch- struggle with. Not just during design um, discovery phases, but the whole slow and fast that we mentioned that um, we need to slow down so we've got time to think and reflect as part of discovery. Yeah, definitely. And, and now that's something I feel a lot of the time. We, we're just really going too fast. But at the mm. same time, you want to go fast. And there's an expectation mm. of going fast. And we're talking all the time about well, agile and, and um, um, fail fast, fail often. Um, those mm-hmm. kind of phrases, which encourages speed. So, exactly. so we have a we have a quandary there. There's kind of two mm. opposing forces of nature that are kind of pulling us, and we've got to find the kind of Goldilocks spot um, in the middle. Yeah, but it seems like speed is something that is encouraged and that people love to see, and that you impose upon yourself as well. That if we, if we go fast and we have this new technology, we need to try it out because we need to be first to market. And I like to say that direction is more imp- important than pace, and that sort of you need to slow down to discover that you are moving in the wrong direction. So, I mean, Dan was absolutely right. We need to get off the uh, normal track to try out different things, but you need to soon enough discover that we're on the wrong path to go back and go in the right direction again. So mm. we we need to slow down to discover those things. And But I don't think that slowing down necessarily means that we reach our endpoint slower than if we had been speeding along all the time. No. I think we've got... I mean, the double diamond is actually quite useful, I think, for this too. That um, in, in, I think in, in my experience, uh, many, many times the, the discovery as, um, part of, of projects has been, has been boiled down to a sprint minus one, um, where, where it's tacked on as a kind of a, 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 just a bit, a bit of time, just in you know, a week just before you start developing. 
um, which which is that's just crazy. It's like that's like throwing yourself at the back of a moving bus and holding on for dear life. Um, it, it does disrespect to the whole the whole work we do. Um, but at the same time, you do need to support sprints, or you do need to support the agile process. But that's that's you supporting the iterative development process, which would be part of the second diamond. Yeah. Discovery, the discovery phase on a on a on a on a higher level is the first diamond and isn't necessarily something you do in in a week or two weeks or whatever just before a development sprint and also i love what dan said i mean it's it's your obligation as a designer to tell other people here is what i need to deliver the best possible work Mm. Uh, so I mean, it's great that you ask the developers what they need, so that you can deliver that to them. But you also need to be explicit about this is what I need. So I need this time. I need this. I need to go outside. I need this time for reflection, uh, or whatever. Or I need to sit down with you and and, and try out some ideas. Yep. Uh, it's all about communication again. That it's not it's yes. not about the um, the the artifacts that you produce at the end of a of a discovery phase. Um, it's it's about uh, being open about your communication needs and and also un- mm. understanding having the f- you know the the feeling of what needs to be communicated and achieved amongst mm. your developers or stakeholders exactly that reminds me that i mean i some sometimes when i've i've done some artifacts i've done some sketches and and people have looked at the design afterwards what the developers have produced and so some people will say well that doesn't look like the sketches like the testers will say that. Mm. That's because we haven't communica- communicated to the testers that the, the purpose of the sketch was not to be pixel perfect, but to actually communicate the idea of why are we producing this. And along the way, the developers can have ideas about a better way of achieving the same result mm. uh, without n- necessarily following the sketch bit by bit. And that little story presumably mm. meant mm. You, mm. You, you missed including the, the testers at crucial moments in the process or early enough exactly. in the process. Because yes. if exactly. they've been involved mm. earlier on, then mm. they would have understood your in, your intention and what you're trying to communicate with the artifacts, mm. so they wouldn't need yep. to question the, the differences. Yeah. The good thing about that is that we had stand-ups, so we only had one morning to clear everything up. <laughs> <laughs> you see, that's, 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 that's going fast with something that yep. was, go- was produced slowly. Oh, yeah, and uh, just a heads up that uh, Dan Brown will also be giving uh, a workshop and speaking at UXLX 2018, uh, which takes place in lovely Lisbon. And next year it will be May 22nd to 25th. I mean, so if you found this intriguing, uh, as intriguing as we did, you probably may consider attending uh, that conference as well. If um, you aren't already a subscriber to UX Podcast, then um, just click add or there'll be a plus or something you can press now to to subscribe to us wherever you are um, you can visit uxpodcast.com and sign up for our backstage email where we share um, extra info and occasionally the odd discount code or two remember to keep moving see you on the other side Knock. Who's there? Ice cream soda. Ice cream soda who? Ice cream soda people will hear me.